You're listening to Divorce Story, the podcast that will help you get back on your feet after a relationship separation. I'm Annalise Dent. And I'm Cass Thorburn. After going through a divorce, lawyer Lucy Mannering wrote a book with her sister Rebecca in 2018 called Surviving Your Split, after they both went through separations within four months of each other. The book aims to give people a support network with heaps of advice when it comes to divorce and she joins us now to talk about it. So Lucy, support networks, I mean you clearly have a very close relationship with your sister. Was that your only support network? No, I was hugely lucky. The thing about divorce is that you really rapidly find out who your friends are and it comes at a time when you're not massively in need of another big life lesson. But you do work out who is there for you. And that often comes from really unexpected places. Yeah, I found that too. Yeah. So close friends that you had as a couple can sometimes fade away and that can be a very upsetting experience. But then you you find that other people who um, were important to you but kind of a bit more on the periphery become a lot more important. And one of the, the best things that I think you can say to someone who's going through any kind of terrible trauma is call them and say, how are you today? Mm. Yeah. Not how are you, how are you today? How's today going? Are you getting through? Are you, you know, going to work today? Mm. How important is it, do you think, to have a support network going through a separation? Oh, I think it's the thing that gets you through it. It's absolutely crucial to build a village of often like-minded women for women who have gone through the same thing. And it's amazing the people who will reach out to you when you are going through it yeah, um, and offer you, you know, a supportive hand up to... And people who have been through it understand it more than more than anybody. You can't understand it unless you've been through it. Is it a case, though, I almost feel like there's a lot more support from women... We have other women supporting us. What is the support network that that men have going through a separation? Do men do the same, you know, sit around and talk about their feelings or ask have someone asking how they're going? I think for men it's very different and very difficult and I think that's a real problem in our society that women do rally around one another and men really find... I, my experience is that... Men loved the book because it did explain things in a way that they hadn't been able to ask. For men, I think divorce can seem as quite a shameful thing um, and so they tend to hide their emotions about it and that must be a terrible experience to go through. Mm. We know that men repartner a lot more quickly than women and I think that's because for that reason. Mm. Having someone to speak to. Having someone to talk to. Mm. And a lot of that guilt, isn't it, that, you know, regardless, like you say, whether you left or were left, uh, you still feel a lot of the guilt you feel is for your children because they are, you know, they're the ones who had no choice at all in in how anything went. Yeah. And even though 100,000 Australians get divorced every year, it's still kind of a bit of a shameful thing. I think this is why talking about it is really important. This is something that a lot of Australians experience and it's not a shameful thing. It is a part of life and how we deal with it is what matters. Mm. And you'll be able to move on much faster, I found, if you've got a support network. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Lucy, what about if you're in your own friendship group, nobody else has been through it and you, you feel alone because you don't know who to talk to because no one else can relate to you. What sort of support can people get in that situation? I think that's a real problem and my advice for, for that is just wait five years, they'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Once you're 40, everyone's getting divorced. <laughs> what, what about um, like local uh, single parent Facebook groups and those sorts of things? Is that something that people can reach out to? And Oh, absolutely. They are fantastic. Yeah, single parent Facebook groups are, 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 have were a real source of support for me and not just for, for mums but also for mums and dads and a good place to find out information. And that was actually one of the things that made me write the book. The same questions just came up over and over again. Mm, and we're talking about how important the support network is for the mother and the father in these uh, separations. What about children? Where is their support network? That is a great question because what often happens is parents can become so embroiled in their own trauma that really both parents kind of forget the other people who are directly impacted by this mm. and that's the children. So I think reaching out to schools, making sure that the school knows what's going on is really important. Teachers, mentors, footy coaches are crucial for children, mm. especially later primary school children. And that's why being the same parent and keeping up with your children's activities and trying to re retain some kind of normalcy in their lives is just super important. One of the things that I was uh, taught very early on was don't try and run anything through the children. Even when you think, oh, you know, get them to ask, you know, or, you know, this is what they're doing, tell your mum or whatever, that's something don't you should never do. The children should not be involved in running the separation. Absolutely. Never use your children as a messenger and never use your children as a spy. That mm. is crucial. Um, children should be left out of adult issues and adult decisions. They are children. They still have two parents and the parents decide. Um, not the new girlfriend, not the new boyfriend, not the children, the parents of the children. Mm. One of the things that uh, we've heard recording this series and even someone on, on Instagram messaged me the other day, she was like, I really need help but I don't know what to ask help for or how to ask for help. What's some ways that people can communicate to their support network, hey, I need help? Or, like what kind of things can they say if they don't know what to say or what to ask for? I think one of the really important things that you can do is say, I'm not okay, this is really hard, I need you to check in with me, um, I need you to be there for me. When people are going through a divorce, all they want to do is talk about their divorce. And it can be really draining and really difficult for the people around them. But this is how, as human beings, we process trauma. We have to talk about it. It's what separates us from the animals. Being able to talk through what's happened, what went wrong, how you can move forward is crucial. Having that support network who will listen to you say the same story over and over and over again... Um, is really important and it will stop, the yeah. sun will rise, things will get better. Um, but for those first maybe even two years, the trauma is really real and the best thing that a, a best friend can do is check in and say, how are you today? 
what's happening with you? What's the latest? Because there'll always be a latest. Yeah. And the good news is that for that friend, one day you stop talking about it. Yep, one day you stop talking about That's it. That's right. And you never yeah. know when you might be the one that needs to talk Absolutely. about it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, That's right. <laughs> Two years. Excellent. But one day you're back to talking about recipes. Yeah. <laughs> or dating. Oh, dating. Yeah. A whole new thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Lucy, for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. Lucy. Annalise, I found support networks were such an important part of the process for me. Yeah, well, I can imagine because in a sense, immediately you, you would feel alone and your support networks are the other grown-ups and, and the rocks for you at a time when you really need it most. And you lose so many. I mean, you do. You know, all of a sudden you're in a relationship that you've been in for a long time. You have all similar friends, right? It's not like you normally have a whole heap of friends that you don't know, that don't know your husband or, you know, a heap of friends they have that don't know you. So all of a sudden there is a change in the friendship group. So the support network is becomes even more important because they're the ones that you can even talk to about that. You know, I don't have those people in my life anymore. And that was hard for me to deal with and you need to be able to say that to someone. What were the things that helped you the most? Uh, I think, well, one of my girlfriends, Cara, who I did the children's book with, she initially would drop off, you know, sort of like pre-made meals, lunchbox food for the next day and she would not even knock on the door. She would just leave it in an esky at the front of the house and just send me a text and say, I dropped you off, blah, blah, and she didn't expect to, for me to talk to her at that point, you know, she, she knew I probably couldn't or didn't have the words for it. And then later, one of my girlfriends, you know, fortunately lived in the US. So she was awake, like sleeping for me became such a, a difficult thing. Like you'd maybe fall asleep early and you'd wake up at one in the morning wide awake, you know, and thinking about a million things. Um, and I was really grateful to have a friend who lived overseas because, you know, chances were if I texted and said, hey, baby, you there? she'd, you know, have a nice long chat with me. One of the things that Lucy told us that's really sort of jumped out at me because like I've always thought that I'm the friend that you go to when you have a breakup, right from when, you know, like I was a teenager, I was like, yep, ice cream, bad movies, chatting, which then obviously turned into wine, ice cream, chatting, and, and I've always been good at sort of being there and being a support. But one of the things that Lucy said was to check in every day and not, not a call but just a text, hey, how are you today? And I don't think that I've done that at times when I, I should have with, with girlfriends. That really I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, and, and you know what, if I hadn't had Cara and Tracy and, you know, my really close girlfriends that had done that for me, I could have gone days where I wouldn't have communicated with anyone and I don't think that would have been healthy at all to have not communicated, do you? No, I know, but I'm just I'm just like sitting here feeling harrowed that that's just something that's so obvious but I don't think that you think to do it. Well, I definitely didn't, no. And it's not really a difficult thing to do, is it? And it's also not something that, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, they're going to get in a great big long chat with them with you because chances are you don't want a long chat anyway. Like I'd found just solace, you know, but such companionship in getting a text from my friends that 
you know, made sure that they were checking in on me. And it was just a matter of going, yeah, I'm okay. Or, you know, actually I'm having a pretty shit day, but thanks, you know. And, and that's all it really, you know, it's really important, I think. Today's divorce story is with Aaron, who had been married for 10 years and his children were six and nine when he received a text message from his wife at the time that she wanted the marriage to end. This came as quite a shock for Aaron and as he describes it, it was out of the blue and he didn't see it coming. It's been just over a year since his separation and Aaron and I have been friends for many years and a few months ago on Are You OK Day, I actually saw a Facebook post that he created where he shared that he'd had some really, really dark times uh, in his life and he wanted to share that with his mates so that everybody knew what he'd been through but also for anyone else who'd read that to know that it's okay um, and that everyone feels like that sometimes. So just a trigger warning for this chat with Aaron because we will be touching on themes of suicide And if you are experiencing a crisis, please reach out to lifeline.org.au on 13 11 14. After the initial shock, Aaron, what were those first few weeks like for you? Well, the first week was terrible. Just didn't know what to feel. It was a combination of being embarrassed, confused, depressed, sad, angry. Just didn't know what to think. A real roller coaster of emotions, isn't it, at that point? Yeah. Especially, I suppose, because I was the unexpected one. I wasn't the one that chose to separate, so um, it caught me by surprise. But just lots of ringing around friends and family and, yeah, complete turmoil because didn't know what what my life was going to be like. Yeah, and it's almost on, like so. you it's almost like you start looking for answers from friends and family, isn't it? Like you just think, I can't understand this, maybe someone else can? Yeah, that's what... What it was is just asking everybody, uh, "What do you think? What do you think?" <laughs> mm. And who who um, did you who did you feel comfortable to reach out to at that time? What what sort of friends was it? Family? Who who was really there for you? Well, it's all my best friends and my close family, and then I even rang my wife's family as well to see if they knew what was going on. For blokes, typically, it can be harder to open up to people did you did you feel comfortable to to reach out to your mates and say hey I'm, I need help or you know hey I'm, I'm struggling um, yeah well at the time I wasn't really saying I'm struggling I'm just I was just confused and sort of wanted everyone's opinion and what should I do and <laughs> but it was obvious to a lot of them that I was not in a good state of mind as well at what point um, did you realize you were not in a good state of mind probably towards the end of the first week where I was just crying most of the day and um, starting to think, you know, silly things like, oh, I'm just, I'll just go overseas and get out of here for a while. And, um, you know, I drove to the airport one day just expecting to buy a ticket and get on the next plane, but luckily there was no flights till the next day and my best friend said, you know, you didn't think it was a good idea and, you know, you're not in a good state of mind and mm. uh, which was good advice because at the time I lived in a rural town in um, southwest of WA and I stayed with my auntie for the next month or so. 
you know, started to ring around the helplines and went and saw my GP, got the mental health plan so I could go see counsellors and, and that sort of thing. Aaron, that's so um, beautiful that you could reach out for help and that you made use of the, the help that's available to you because so many blokes, I think, feel that stigma of not wanting to ask for help. So I just want to acknowledge you that you were able to do that and that you did that for yourself and for your kids, I imagine, and just really commend you on that. Yeah, the problem with the living in a rural area is you've got to travel to see stuff, so it's not always easy. Mm. What would your advice um, be to Aaron to other men going through a separation that might be in that position where, you know, they're not talking to, to their mates or they're not really talking about their feelings? What would be your advice to them? I think it's important to talk to somebody. I, I guess a lot of guys I know with some of my mates, they're reluctant to talk about their issues because they don't want to be a burden on other people. But in my experience of you know, your friends are always happy to hear you out and it's always good just to talk things out and get it off your chest and <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing, yeah. Well, it's different for, um, for women. We kind of use our girlfriends as real sounding boards, don't we? We're always, um, you know, talking to our girlfriends but it sounds like when you say men often feel like they're a burden. That's completely different to how women feel about talking to their friends. Yeah, I think that's so common for blokes though, isn't it? They, they feel like they're a burden, but I think anyone would, yeah. would be happy to talk to their mate about, about anything really that they're going through. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had some of my best mates ring me up, um, you know, in really bad states and, you know, they're like, oh, sorry, sorry to, sorry to burden you with this and whatever, whatever, but like no no way you could call me anytime I'm happy to I feel privileged that you're able to call me and talk yeah <laughs> absolutely so so Aaron take us to yeah. that that sort of that that lowest point that you hit because I know that you you tried to seek help you were in a remote town you were feeling isolated you tried to go for help and then something something else happened what what was your lowest point you got to I separated in December 2018 and then spent the month living with my auntie and then tried to sort of, uh, you know, get my own rental and start again. And I had my kids one week on, one week off. So when I had my kids, I was fine. But as soon as my kids went back to my ex, I'd just fall in a heap. Mm. And um, the other thing was we already had, we'd had a hard year financially. We already had credit card debts. And, you know, with buying new furniture and rental and mm. I was out of work for a couple of months and I kept having jobs falling through and it was about mid-February where I was really, I couldn't see myself getting out of this bad situation mm. and, um, you know, started to think about suicide and, um, <clears throat> and that's when my auntie suggested I go to hospital yeah. Because she rang around to ask what to do. So went to the local hospital, stayed there for a week, but they tried to organise, you know, the mental health side of things. But being in a rural town, you, they pretty much don't have anything. So mm, Resources are um, limited. Yeah. But my brother and another one of my good friends who's in mental health suggested I look up the clinics mental health clinics that stay as an inpatient 
in the city in Perth, which I'd never even heard of. So I rung around and I got a place at Perth Clinic. I just needed the referral from the doctor. Um, so I got referred there and that's exactly what I needed. Mm. Um, so I stayed there for two weeks and did the group therapy. They've got psychiatrists that check in every day and, you know, prescribe you med- um, antidepressants, and whatever else you need. And, um, yeah, so that's exactly what I needed. I come out of there with a, a much more positive frame of mind, a bit of a plan of what I'm going to do for the, the next five years or so. I'm, um, I'm just feeling emotional listening to you, Aaron. You know, you, you and I, we, we've known each other for many years and so I'm, I'm just, I just want to say I'm so sorry that you, that you got to that place and that you were in that place and how brave you are that you knew what you needed to do to get help and, and you got the help because and I'm just so grateful that you did, mate. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be here if, um, if I didn't. Yeah. As, as much as I can't believe I'd consider leaving my two girls but when you're in that frame of mind, you can't even think about the next day. You you just can't see yourself getting out of that position. But, you know, then you, you've got to start thinking a bit more long-term. Yeah. <laughs> that you'll get, you'll Look, get Looking it. back at that now, though, Aaron, I mean, you must, um, you, you must thank your lucky stars that you were brave enough because, you know, your girls, like you say, um, that, you know, they deserve to have their dad. Yeah, and, and and that was the only thing stopping me at the time. Um, but like I say, when you're in so much pain and, and you're just sick of being in that situation, you just think, oh, I just want to end it. But you need to get yourself out of that situation and that's what that clinic did for me and this is the thing isn't it mental health is not talked about enough for people to know what services are available to them in a in a crisis yeah and and that's why i put a post up aaron it's only been Um, a year but those of us who have gone through a separation and a divorce a year is not a very long time but it's it's been a year but can you know is there how do you feel now about it compared to how you did um, then? Um, it's only been the last month or two that I've gotten, I've sort of gotten a bit of closure and moved on a bit. And um, I think that's because we're finally getting the legal side of things finished. So, you know, I sort of left that because of the money. I didn't want to pay lawyers. And I was sort of putting it off, but I sort of wish that I'd, done that earlier because that was something that's given me closure. We've talked a lot um, to some of the specialists we've had in, Aaron, about the fact that I feel strongly that it's not, there's getting over the person that you were married to, but there's getting over the the breakdown of the marriage, the loss of the marriage, the death of the marriage. That's, you know, that's a long, long, much longer or more difficult thing for me to have gotten over. Did you, do you feel the same? Yeah, it's definitely a grieving process and, and I would say, it, well, 
for me, it's it's worse than losing. Like my grandfather died last year, and you know I grieved for him for a, a couple of weeks, but um, the marriage I seem to have grieved for almost a year, I guess. Mm. Um, and maybe I've still not completely over it, but I feel um, pretty good now. Okay. Um, yeah, are you still grieving for your marriage, Cassandra? Uh, no, I well, no, <laughs> I'm actually. This is why we're. I guess we're in. I'm doing the podcast, and uh, Annalise and I came up with the idea for the podcast. Aaron is because, yes, I felt that the the marriage or going through a divorce took me longer to grieve because it's such a painful experience and there's so much negativity in the whole, even just the word divorce. So for me, you know, grieving the process of, of, of going through that had, had been huge, but getting over the person, um, you know, my children will always have a father and they only have one father. They also only have one mum. And that's, for me, that was what got me through my hard moments was knowing that no one can replace who we are to our children. Yeah, and it took me a while to grasp that as well <clears throat> um, because I was interpreting it at the beginning like I'd lost my kids mm. um, and, yeah, every time I'd look at a photo of my kids or whatever, I'd just start crying thinking that they were gone Um but, yeah, slowly, you know, over time, seeing them regularly, uh, you get used to the routine of not seeing them as much. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just getting used to the new life, I guess. Yeah, you're their dad, Aaron. That's, you know, that's never going to change. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I know that you've done that because you're wanting to help other people who yeah, might be going amazing. through the same thing. And, and yeah, we commend you for being so brave and, and so selfless in sharing that story with us. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I hope it does help somebody. Thanks for listening to Divorce Story. If you want to hear more from us, follow us on socials at Cass Thorburn and at Annalise Dent. Divorce Story is produced by me, Annalise Dent. And me, Cass Thorburn. The executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Bye. Thanks for listening.